0: Father, we thank you so much that we adore you today. Father, we realize that we are in your presence this morning. This isn't just a building with two or 300 people in it. It's a building where you are present. You are here with us. You are among us. And we thank you for that today, Father. I pray that in the name of Jesus Christ, That you'll be speaking a firm word into people's lives and their hearts. Father, I believe today you're going to lift some people up. You're going to just encourage them in such a powerful way. Father, I believe that you're going to touch people physically. Folks that are, that are, that are struggling with health issues. You're going to come alongside and deliver a healing and a touch from God. Heaven open up. Father, we thank you today. Father, I pray that you create in our hearts a desire to worship you, a desire to hear from you, a desire to be filled with your word, a desire to be filled with your spirit. Father, I pray, look over our lives, look over this congregation. Bring to us the favor of God. Bring to us the incredible touch of God. Father, we thank you today. We're glad that we're in the house of the Lord with fellow believers and people who love God. Father, we're so thankful today that you care for us. We're so thankful today that you have a word that is very specific to us in here today in this hour. And so we thank you today. I pray may the blessing of God, may the peace of God, may the hope of heaven just fill our hearts and our lives in extraordinary ways. And so we thank you today. We are glad to be your people, to be called by your name. And we thank you in the name of Jesus Christ the Lord. Amen. <clears throat> Amen. I want to read to you from the Word of God this morning. <coughs> a very uh, familiar passage. As a matter of fact, my uh, message is going to come from this passage this morning. And so I'm going to ask you to, uh, to, you know what? How many of you know Psalm 23 by heart? You can roll it off. Well, good. Maybe not so good. Come on, you know it. Let's do it together. I'm going to have you do it with me, okay? The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. You anoint my head with oil, my cup runs over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all of the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Amen. Forever. We're heading that way, folks. Greet your neighbors. Give them a great welcome. I'd like you to turn in your Bibles back to Psalm 23. This is one of these messages... Actually, I had intended to speak this morning on the value of character, and about midweek or so, I felt a very strong prompting to move away from that topic and to a couple of verses here in in Psalm 23. I feel that the Lord does these things from time to time, and it's important that you endeavor to follow him obediently uh, in that. So anyway, I continue to work on this message. Actually, I didn't work on it all that much, to be honest with you. It was mostly in my head, and uh, that might show, too. But um, I, I did more work on it, actually, last night. I always kid people about the Saturday night special. But um, actually, this was... Mostly on paper already, but uh, wanted to share with you. I think there are times in our lives, <clears throat> in all of our lives, in which we go through dark valleys. We do go through difficult seasons. These are times that uh, these are times that just uh, overwhelm us. There are seasons of our life in which we uh, we there's possibly even a tendency to say is God really here is he is he available for me and we probably are liable to be asking the question why does God allow this in my life? Um, Those aren't easy to answer but I think God does have answers for us I think there are times when we walk through these dark valleys in which we will discover that God is very close to us, even though it seemed that our attention is more in the valley than on the presence of God. And so I want to talk, to, talk about this because I, I, feel, I feel just so strongly led to, to move on this uh, text today, which is actually in, in verse four. It says, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, For you are with me, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. There's a very important truth that we need to understand and be reminded of from time to time, that it is the shepherd that leads the sheep and not the sheep leading the shepherd. A leader of anything, whether it's sheep or people, a true shepherd is a person who is in front of the sheep. You don't drive sheep. If you've ever raised sheep, you'll understand that very quickly. You lead sheep. You lead an army. You lead a congregation. And you do that from the front. You do not do that from the back. You lead from the front. In John chapter 15, I'm going to turn there real quickly and read uh, about four or five verses here. In John chapter 15, beginning in in verse 5, The Bible says, I am the vine and you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. For without me you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is cast out as a branch and is withered. And they gathered them and throw them into the fire and they are burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, You will ask what you desire, and it shall be done for you. We abide in Christ. We we stay connected to God. This is an important thing, and I think it's especially important when you are going through that valley season of your life, that you remind yourself, and others may remind you also, that you are connected to God. Stay connected to God. You know, the disciples were told by Jesus to go across the Sea of Galilee to the other side. And in fact, the Savior says, I'll meet you over on the other side. Well, when they got in the middle of the Sea of Galilee, uh, a strong wind came up. And it was a very threatening kind of a time. It was a very difficult time for them. Many of them were literally fearing for their life. They were fearing for their life. And Jesus comes walking to them and speaks to the ocean waves to be still. And it was still. Now, the only only way that that boat could have been in true danger is for them to get their eyes off of Christ. When you have Jesus Christ in your boat, you have everything. You've got it all. And even though the waves may look dangerous, the waves may look threatening, you may feel that everything is going out of control. When you have Christ, when you stay connected to Christ, when you abide in the vine, you aren't the vine, you are the branch. When you abide in the vine, you're going to be safe. You're going to be cared for. You're going to be watched over and your life is is valuable to God. It is in these valleys that we discover oftentimes the very deeper things about God and the provision of God, and the darkness can actually become light. I discovered this in Isaiah chapter 42 and verse 16, which simply says, I will lead them in the paths that they have not known. Look at this. I will make darkness light. Before them and crooked places, straight. These things I will do for them and not forsake them. You are not going to find a place in the Bible that is going to suggest that those who are abiding in Christ, those who are endeavoring to walk with Christ, those who want to love God with all of their hearts, you will not find one place in the scripture that says God will forsake you. You will find places in the Bible where God says, "I will forsake those who do not abide with me, who cast me away, who who desire sin over righteousness." All of these things you'll find that, but you'll never find, you will never find in God's Word, a broken promise that He says, "I will step away from you, because of of, of your circumstance or whatever that might be." Our job is not to choose the path, but to choose to follow. Choose to follow where the shepherd is leading us. Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. There was a time when God took his prophet Ezekiel up onto a, perhaps a small mountaintop or whatever it was that surrounded a very large valley. And the Bible says in Ezekiel chapter 37, that this valley was literally filled with dry, bleached bones of dead people. Bones all over the place. It's a graphic scene when you read it in Ezekiel chapter 37. God asks Ezekiel, can these bones live? Ezekiel responds to God and says, thou knowest Lord, which is a very good response. And then something miraculous begins to happen because God said to Ezekiel the prophet, he said, I want you to prophesy to these bones. In other words, when you prophesy, you actually speak the words of God. You, the breath of God comes forth. And when that began to happen, this breath of God, this power of God, The Bible says these bones begin to come to life. And of course, there's huge symbolism in this. Just huge. But God, by his spirit, in a valley of death, in a valley of dry bones, in a valley of nothingness, in a valley where there is no hope, and there may be people in the room today in which you're in that kind of a valley, You look at your surroundings and say, what is my hope? You look at your surroundings and say, what is my future? You look at all the things around you that are happening and wonder, why why hasn't God lifted me out of this? Oftentimes, God is not going to necessarily lift you out of it, but he he has promised to walk with you through it. And when he walks with you through it, you're going to come to a great understanding of the grace of God, the power of God, the provision of God, all of the things that God represents, you will suddenly, and I believe you will become very much aware of of this. The key is, stay connected to God. Do not disconnect yourself. Do not sever that that vine and branch relationship. Keep that tight. Persons who walk through these dark valleys have often told me anyway that God in his presence was with them all the way. And, and interestingly enough, when they get to the edge on the other side of that valley, they realize, they realize how, how, how significant his presence was during all of that time in the valley. Look, folks, I challenge the world. I challenge the world to come up with something even close to this. The fact that God is with us. And he assures us. He says, thou art with me. Four little words. Thou art with me. And that's his promise. The sting of death was abandoned on the cross. It's done. It's history. He says, my rod and my staff. You know, as I study in this, as I'm looking at this, I think for the first time in my life, I realized he's talking about two different things here. My rod and my staff. My rod and my staff. The rod has, is more like a walking stick. It's three to four feet high. I suppose depending on how high you are but three to four feet high, and on the top of that rod, there's kind of a gnarled, it's like a knot, that they've, they've taken the, uh, the, the piece of wood from a, from a tree or something like this. And there is a knot on this thing, and this rod is useful for several things. Number one, it is used to count sheep. <clears throat> it was the Old Testament practice in those days uh, for sheep to pass under this rod, and as they did, they would be counted. They, we know how many we've got. Also, it helps sheep to move along, and it also turns the stray around. But that rod with the knot on the end was also a weapon. And in the, in the case of David, David had to be incredibly skilled at, this, at the use when an animal or a predator would come. This could be thrown at that you got hit in the head with a rod. I think you would probably decide this isn't worth it right here. I'm going to go somewhere else. And the staff. <coughs> the staff had a crook at the end of it. And that crook was useful. It helps to turn those sheep around. It helps to, helps to stray uh, on this. I want to read from Isaiah chapter 43. Uh, uh, just a very, very brief passage here. In Isaiah chapter 43, beginning about halfway through the first verse, the Bible says, Fear not, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by your name, and you are mine. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And through the rivers, they shall not overflow you. And when you walk through the fire, you shall not be burned, and the flame will not scorch you. And then he goes on here. In verse number five, fear not, for I am the I am with you. I, I'm going to stop right there. Fear not, because I am with you. And that's a that's a declaration to me. It's a declaration to you, today, <coughs> that God is with us. That God surrounds us with His presence. There is a love of God that goes beyond anything that we could think or imagine. There is a protection of God. That is, uh, that is in the same category and caliber that he surrounds us with his love and care. I think there's an interesting moment in Acts chapter 12. Herod was, uh, was as, you, as you well know, a very evil person, a very evil king, a very evil kind of a ruler, and he thought it might be kind of smart. He realized that every once in a while, if I kill off one of these Christians, it really makes me popular. And so he he arrested Peter. He puts Peter in jail. Peter's chained to two prisoners, and he's gonna be executed the next morning. And what does Peter do? He falls to sleep. He falls asleep between these two prisoners. Meanwhile, down the street, there's a prayer meeting going on. They're praying for people, God answers that prayer by sending an angel to release Peter. And he walks up to the door of the prayer meeting and says, Hi, I'm free. God was watching over him. You know, that story, I've always wondered about this. I wonder how Herod was sleeping that night. I've always wondered about that. I'll never get to ask him that because... He's not going to be in the vicinity where I'm going to spend eternity. Um, But uh, anyway, uh, this this is what God was at work. And then finally in verse number five, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil and my cup runs over. I want you to know something. I'm going to reinterpret this just a little bit, a little bit freely here, a little bit differently. God says, I'm going to have you to go ahead and have lunch with people that don't like you. That's what he's saying. I'm going to have you have lunch today with people that hate you, that do not like you, but because you're going to sit down with them, you are going to be a demonstration of my provision, of my covering, of my protection of all of the blessings of God that can come into a person's life, you're going to sit there and you're going to be a model of all of that despite the fact that you're with enemies. Your enemies have none of that. None of that whatsoever. The Bible tells us my cup runs over. And that's a term there. It means my life. In Hebrew, that means my life. Cup means my life. In other words, my life is overflowing with peace, with joy, with the assurance that God is at work in my life. This is my cup, and it overflows. Not just so I have enough for today, <clears throat> but there's an overflow of his presence, of his peace. And that's, what, that's why Peter could sleep between two guards, because his cup was overflowing. The peace of God. Let him have a good night's sleep in that thing. Folks, evil people, evil people are simply evil. I don't know what else to say about that. Evil people are simply evil, but God is always good. Always. He is still God. He's the one who rules this world, and he holds the hearts of men, the hearts of every person in his hand. The Bible says, "I he anoints my head with oil. This is a, again, we, you hear this, you hear us speak about this from time to time as we pray or something. But this anointing is a Hebrew tradition, meaning the blessing of God, the blessing of the Lord flows over that person's life, the healing of God, the hand of God literally upon you. That's what anointing means that's what it means. And then in verse number six, very simple, surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life and I'll dwell in the house of the Lord forever. When God says surely goodness and mercy will follow me, I think that sounds like we're pulling a little red wagon behind us and it's following me. It's not exactly that. When God says it's going to follow you, it means it's going to be actively pursuing you. In other words, going after you. I'm going to go after you with my goodness and my mercy. I'm going to pursue you, to provide for you in all of these particular areas of your life. Listen to me, friends. The one who feeds us, who leads us, who restores us, who walks with us, who provides for us, It's the one that's going to take us all the way home. All the way. All the way home. God is forgiving. God is accepting. God is caring. He is a friend who knows every one of our needs. He is God. Who can change our turbulent emotions. And God can give us peace. We just did... uh, Early this morning, we we read Psalm 23 one more time. The Lord is my shepherd. He is Jehovah-Rohi. That's what shepherd means. God is my shepherd. He, it says, I shall not want. He is Jehovah-Jireh, the Lord my provider. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He is Jehovah-Shalom. He is my peace. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He is Jehovah Rophe, the Lord who heals me. He leads me in the paths of righteousness. He is Jehovah Sidkenu, the Lord our righteous, for his name's sake. Though I walk through the valley <clears throat> of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are there with me. He is Jehovah Shammah, the Lord who is there. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. He is Jehovah Nissi. God is my banner, and he covers me with goodness. You anoint my head with oil, and my cup runs over. He is Jehovah Makatish the Lord who makes me whole and pure and holy. Surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life and I'll dwell in the house of the Lord forever. The result of God running your life, the result of God running your life is that you will dwell with him forever. Amen. Father, I thank you today for your word because your word is a living word. It is alive with truth. It is alive with hope. It is alive with direction. There are times it is also alive with correction for our life. You love us. You help us. You show us the way. And like a good shepherd, when we stray off into some corner that we don't belong in, with your shepherd's staff you pull us back into line and help us to move along Father whatever our need is this morning whatever the concern is of our life Father I pray in the mighty name of Jesus that you would would make that very real your help your encouragement, your strength if somebody's walking through a dark valley today I pray that simply the light of your presence will bring a fresh encouragement into that person's life. Father, I thank you that you never abandon us. You never get tired of us. You never get frustrated with us and walk away. But you're there to guide us. You're there to to motivate us at times. You're there to provide for us, and we thank you for that. Lord, as we come to these uh, this time of communion, I pray that you will help us to realize in a very fresh way the tremendous pro- uh, provision of Jesus Christ in our life. All that he has provided for us, but in particular, the sins that are forgiven. We thank you for that. Father, he who has the Son has life. And we're glad that you told us that because we want to walk in the newness of life this morning. Father, I pray that you will bless our season of communion. I pray that you'll help us. In Jesus' name, amen.